Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop aboard here. We'll get back to the phone lines here on the Phillies. Hope or belief they could actually do this and knock off the Astros to win a World Series championship. We'll play explicit history with you guys. The best calls from the postseason. We bleep out a word, a name. You tell us who we're missing. So we'll get to all that and more on the Eagles with a trade for Robert Quinn coming up. But right now, we got to go out to the guest line. A guest that I had on about three years ago maybe almost four years ago now, I believe Chris Gordy, who is uh, now at 790 down in Houston, and he uh, does uh, you know, post-game stuff with the Astros, the way I'm always here with the post-game with the Phillies. I believe at that point Chris was working in New Orleans. I, I feel like, Chris, the last time we talked and welcome to the show was before a another big Philadelphia postseason moment, and that was the Eagles heading to New Orleans to take on the Saints in the divisional round. A- am I right about that, Chris, that last time we talked? Uh, that's right. I don't remember which game it was, though, because you know, we've had a couple of uh, postseason matchups yeah. between the Saints and the Eagles. I don't remember who won that one, but uh, yeah, I do remember joining you then. I think it was the Saints. I think that was the game um, where the Eagles went up 14 nothing, and then the Saints came back and Alshon, uh, Alshon dropped the pass. I think that's the game. That's right. Yeah, that was the one. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm hoping this time it ends better for the Philadelphia team. We shall see. Chris... Let's talk about this series, uh, what we got coming up uh, on Friday night, Game 1, Phillies-Astros. Before we get to the matchup and what you think of the Phillies, I'll just throw it to you this way. How good are these Astros, and how do they stack up with the the other uh, additions we've seen over the years? Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, this this may be the greatest you know pitching staff that the Astros have had, and that's saying a lot when you go back to 2005, and you talk about that team had Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit, Roy Oswalt. Like it, it, that, that pitching staff was loaded. And then you go back to 2019 where you had Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke as your top three. I mean, you, the Astros have had some dominant pitching staffs, but I don't know if they've ever had one that's this dominant that is anchored one-two by Justin Verlander or Samba Valdez. Uh, you know, when Verlander went out with the injury uh, two years ago, Robert Valdez really stepped up and established himself as an ace of this pitching staff. And, you know, this year is pitched as well as an ace, but he's not the ace. He's the number two. Verlander bounced back from the Tommy John surgery and pitched, uh, you know, he's probably, you know, right there in the, in the running for Cy Young, probably going to win the Cy Young this year. So I don't think there's any better one-two punch than those two guys. And then right after that, you talk about Lance McCullers, who's been such a good pitcher for them historically throughout his career with the Astros, came back around midseason and was very effective, had like a 227 ERA. And then it's their three other guys that have pitched well all year, from Christian Javier to Jose Urquidy and Luis Garcia. All three of those guys have been a solid, you know, 3-4-5 or 4-5-6, however you want to look at it. So this is as strong of an Astros starting pitching staff as they've ever had. And then the bullpen has been equally as good. Uh, when you talk about Rafael Montero and Hector Neris and Brian Abreu and then Ryan Presley on the back end as the closer – uh, this has been a really, really dominant pitching staff for the Astros. So uh, we've seen it throughout the regular season. We've seen it throughout the postseason. That's uh, a big reason why they're undefeated. So it is, uh, it is a really strong pitching staff. Not to say that the Phillies can't maybe get after them and score some runs, but I do think it is going to be difficult if these guys are pitching at their highest level. Chris, what's the perception of the Phillies uh, among fans you talk to down in Houston uh, among the way they're being talked about? Because – 
you know, I'll tell you just here, we, we didn't see this coming. I mean, th- this team, when, when they arrived to Houston to, and they clinched the playoff spot that last week of the regular season, they kind of limped their way there. I mean, they got swept by the Cubs about four days earlier, and we were wondering if they'd even make the playoffs. They had a chance to clinch in Houston that Monday night because the Marlins beat the Brewers three out of four over that weekend. It kind of set the Phillies up, but we were worried they were going to miss the playoffs. So we didn't see this coming, and now they're on this crazy hot streak. What's the perception down there of the Phillies? Well, that's what was funny. It was the, the Phillies win that game on that Monday at Minute Maid Park. The Astros, you know, kind of weren't playing for anything. They had already wrapped up home field advantage. They had already wrapped up the division. And uh, I think the Astros had pulled most of their starters by the middle of that game. And, you know, the Phillies won. They even put up on the scoreboard, congratulations, Phillies. And it was kind of like a pat on the back, like, hey, good for you guys. All right, y'all made the postseason. And, you know, everybody was kind of like, hey, good for you. Uh, the Astros came back to win the next two, and it was kind of whatever. All right, Philly's good for you. Well, we're, we're on to the postseason. I don't think anybody predicted during that series that these two teams would meet again in the uh, in the postseason. It was kind of funny. We were joking, saying, you know, the Astros, you know, maybe if they sweep the Phillies, maybe the Phillies don't make it into the postseason, and maybe they're not here. But I think the Astros, you know, a lot of the Astros fan base kind of looks at Philly as, you know, look, they're a red-hot team that got hot at the right time. And, you know, on paper, I think the Astros are a better team. But look, we know about teams that get red hot at the right time. The Astros have been here a couple times in the World Series in recent years. 2019, they saw a Nationals team that got red hot at the right time. Last year, they saw the, uh, an Atlanta Braves team that got hot at the right time. So it's still a dangerous team that could certainly beat the Astros if they're not careful. So I think they're going to take them seriously from that standpoint. But yeah, kind of, kind of on the surface, the, the perspective is, you know, why is this team even here? They weren't supposed to be here, but kudos to them. They, they beat some really good teams along the way and earned their chance to be here. But, you know, look, the Astros have, have earned their spot here. They, they, they were one of the best teams in the AL all year. They are in home field advantage, and they feel like this is a series that they should win. I mean, keep in mind, the Astros have not lost a postseason game yet. Uh, I think the Phillies are going to put up a better fight than, uh, than the, the Yankees and the, and the Mariners did, but – um, again, I think most Astros fans kind of respect the Phillies, but also look at them as, hey, you guys are maybe a little bit ahead of schedule here and not supposed to be here. We're talking to Chris Gordy, 790 Sports Talk, 790 down in Houston. Chris, uh, I've been just, the two big hitters in each lineup are worth the price of admission alone. I and mean, to watch Bryce Harper and Jordan Alvarez have you know go at it in this series. It's going to be a lot of fun. What, what makes Alvarez so good? I mean, he's really over the past couple of years morphed into. I'd say one of the five best hitters in baseball. Why is he so good? And, and what, what's um, t- talk about how his development has gone from, oh, he's an interesting young player to like, wow, he's, he's amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's a hard out. I mean, uh, the guy can make great contact on just about any tough pitch that you throw at him. Um, you know, he's he, particularly in that Seattle series, he had two huge home runs. You know, one of them was a walk-off. And then when we got into the Yankee series, the Yankees are very careful in how they pitch to him. There were, there were times where they intentionally walked him and uh, and didn't want to face him. And then that game four, you know, he came up with a couple of big hits, one of them that drove in a big run to, to give the Astros the lead. And so he's a dangerous hitter, man. I mean, when he's healthy, he is absolutely an MVP candidate. Um, you know, he just flicks his wrist out there, and, and, and it's a ball that, you know, other people will be a normal fly ball. And, and for him, it carries out, and it's a home run. So very dangerous hitter. Um, you know, love where he hits in the lineup for the Astros because, you know, he's protected. When you talk about guys like Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker behind him, it's, it becomes hard to intentionally walk him and, and not throw to him. So um, really good dude. Had, had a knee, double knee surgery just uh, a little over a year ago and, um, you know, improved his, his running ability. And, you know, he's even been playing a lot of left field for the Astros this year where a lot of people thought he was just kind of a permanent DH playing a lot of outfield and been pretty good with the arm. I mean, he, even in the last series, he had a couple of outs, uh, you know, through or, or saved a couple of runs with a couple of throws with his arm. So, um, yeah, he's been pretty good. And, and, again, he's just one of the more dangerous hitters that the uh, Phillies are going to have to be really careful about pitching to. Chris, if there's a weakness with the Astros, where is it? I mean, I, I keep looking at the lineup and – you know, one through five or six, like you just mentioned with, with Tucker and Bregman there behind Alvarez, it's really, really good. The bottom doesn't strike me as dangerous. I think the Phillies' bottom of their order might be more dangerous or on par. Maybe maybe that's where the Phillies could kind of even things out. Is the bottom of that order 
as kind of you know weak as it looks or maybe not as strong? If there's a weakness, where is it, and, and could it be at the bottom of that Astros order? Yeah, I would say you know the, the weakness throughout the year for the Astros was just their, their entire lineup up and down, you know, at times would go cold and, um, you know, and, and not, not deliver, you know, they'd have just random fluke games where they would score zero runs or one run. Uh, but I would say this, I mean, the, the bottom of that order actually throughout the postseason here is, has picked them up. I mean, it's, there's been games where the top of the order has not done much. When you talk about Altuve, uh, you know, Jordan Alvarez, you know, Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, you know, there were games in a Yankee series where it was the bottom of the order. It was Chaz McCormick picking them up with, with some big home runs and Martin Maldonado and Yuli Gurriel. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say maybe it's the bottom of the order, but, again, they came up big uh, in that last series for the Astros when the top of the order wasn't producing as consistently. So it, it's been very interesting. It's not like it's one guy. They've spread it out. There's been different heroes of this postseason. Alex Bregman hit a, home, a big home run. You know, Chaz McCormick hit a big home run. Uh, Jeremy Pena hit a big one in game four uh, against the against the Yankees. So it's been a different guy every night, and that's what makes this team so dangerous is that, yeah, there's going to be guys that get outs and, and don't do anything and have an 0-4 night, but it feels like every night when the Astros go out there, it's somebody else stepping up big for them. And that's what makes them such a dangerous team, T-E-A-M, because it's not just one or two dudes that you got to worry about. you really got to worry about them one through nine. Chris, what is the um, the feeling, the status of of the old cheating scandal with the Astros? Not that this team is cheating, just in general, the feeling around them. Do they do they talk about that? Do they care? Do they feel like they need to win one now to kind of fully move on from that? I'm I'm curious now that they're back on this World Series stage again. Um, is that past this team and the players that were there, or is that kind of stuff still linger until they win another one? I think back to the Patriots, you know, in the NFL. You know, I thought it kind of lingered with them until a new team, a few years or five or whatever years was later, they won their next one, passed all that stuff after Spygate. Where are the Astros and the fan base with everything after all these years? Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, the, the fan base has put it behind them. I mean, after 2017, it was kind of, you know, look, the, the evidence came out there. Everybody kind of reviewed it. You know, they did it in, in a bunch of games during the regular season. Some guys partook in it. Some guys didn't. And we know once they got to the postseason, they didn't do it. You know, there, Fox had, had cameras and microphones everywhere. If there was any banging on a trash can, you would have heard it. Uh, even Carl Scraya said that, you know, they were going to try it in the postseason, but they knew they couldn't do it. And so, you know, that 2017 postseason, does it have an asterisk? You know, according to most fans, yes. I still look at it as the Astros went through that postseason with dominant pitching, with Charlie Morton and Lance McCullers. Uh, you know, they got it done in Dodger Stadium by shutting down the Dodgers lineup to me. It, it, it's it still is a ring that that was earned. You know, maybe it's got a little tarnish on it because of what they did during the regular season. But to me, it's it's not a uh, you know it's not something that gets a huge asterisk in my mind. It goes, oh, they didn't earn that. They they, they did earn it, and largely because of the pitching staff. But I think most of the fans have put it behind them. They've been the three more world you know World Series now since then, and this team has shown that they didn't even need to do that, right? I mean, they, they've had some dominant hitters and inconsistent hitters since then, and. You know, really, there's only five dudes left on the team from that team. You talk about a Justin Verlander, Lance McCullers on the pitching staff, and then it's Yuli Gurriel, Alex Bregman, and Jose Altuve. Those are the only three hitters that were part of the cheating scandal back in 2017. And, you know, according to every report we've heard and read and evidence, Jose Altuve didn't even take part in it. You know, he's such a team player that, you know, when Josh Reddick came out and said, look, we got to admit, Altuve didn't even take part in it. Altuve is such a guy that wears the team on his sleeve. He's came out and said, no, 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 we all – we all could have done something. We all took part in it, whatever. But that's how good of a dude Altuve is. He took the fall for the team in something that he didn't even partake in. But that said, I do think those five guys want to win this one because it will give some validity, right? If, if they can win this ring, it'll be the quote-unquote clean ring, and it will add to their legacy. I think it'll help Jose Altuve's Hall of Fame chances because he's such a, a good career hitter that, you know, if the one World Series ring he has is that 17-season, voters will look – you know, down upon that. If he can add another ring to his arsenal, I think that helps his case. So I think those five guys, it does matter too. I think the rest of these guys, it doesn't. You know, when you look at Kyle Tucker and Jeremy Pena and Jordan Alvarez, all these guys, they weren't here in 17. They don't know anything about what happened that season. So uh, I think those guys, you know, they're, they're fighting for their first ring and they want to win it, um, you know, and do it the right way. But yeah, to your point, I think it just matters to those five guys that were part of that 17 team that, want to add one more, quote, clean ring to their arsenal. 
Chris, we'll end with this. Um, the Astros are the favorite. I, I believe and imagine most national experts are going to pick the Astros to win the World Series, and I understand why. They're a great team that won 106 games. If they don't, if the Phillies upset the Astros, why? W- what what happens? If the Astros don't win, how do you think the series plays out? Yeah, I think he's just talking about a hot team, man, and, and that's kind of what happened with the Astros with the Braves last year. Uh, the weather played a part in Atlanta. It was rainy all three days. The Astros didn't take – get to take batting practice until game five up there. And I think that played a part games three and four. They weren't able to hit very much. And they asked uh, the Braves pitching dominated, but again, it was just a red hot Braves team. They came back to Houston uh, for game six and, you know, Jorge Soler hits the big home run. Uh, the nationals beat them in game seven. Again, a red hot team. that just got hot at the right moment. So, you know, if the Phillies are able to bring their offense into this series and, and keep hitting like they are Reese Hoskins and, Kyle Schwarber and, of course, Bryce Harper and all those guys. Um, you know, I think that, that that's going to be why the Astros lose this series. It's just because they ran into a red-hot team that everything's clicking at the right time and everybody's hitting. But uh, I do think the Astros are going to have an opportunity against the Phillies pitching. You know, Aaron Nola and, uh, you know, Gibson, I think, have been very good. But after that, I think, you know, the, the Astros can get after some of those other pitchers like Suarez and Falter or Eflin or whoever's going to pitch. So, It'll be interesting to see, but, uh, yeah, look, there's no shame. If the Astros lose to the Phillies, I think it's just looking uh, and tipping your cap and saying that that was a red-hot team, got hot at the right time, and as we know in the postseason, sometimes that's what it's all about. Chris, I am going to be uh, flying down Friday morning. I'll be at games one and two representing uh, WIP here. So do you have, if, I can, if I can only go to one restaurant, like, if, like out of towner, coming into town for the two games, give me one spot I should go try in the, in the couple days I'll be down there. Yeah, El Tiempo Cantina is the place you got to go. Uh, Premier Tex Max, they got a couple locations around Houston. That's the spot to go. El Tiempo, save it in your phone. And look, for me, the same way. We're coming out there Sunday night, so uh, we're going to be there for games three, four, and five. I need a, I need a spot to go when I'm in Philly. I've never been to Philly. Are you, are you looking for a cheesesteak? Like you want the best cheesesteak in town, or are you just looking for like a really nice restaurant? What are you thinking? I mean, give me whatever's good. You know, I mean, is the cheesesteak too? Is that too cliche? No, I mean, I, I mean, I think if you go to like, look, there's some popular ones that they always show like on Fox or in an Eagles game. Like, I don't think you want to go to. The, I mean, you look if you want to experience the touristy spots, there's Pat's and Geno's, but there's be, I think there's better cheesesteaks. Uh, you know, Chris, um, Tucker, if you were to give a cheese, I mean, Delisandro's is a good cheesesteak. I think if you're closer to the ballpark, Angelo's and John's Roast Pork are John, the, the two best options. Yeah, so uh, Tucker and my producer just mentioned those two. John's Roast Pork, Chris, that that's that one's really close to the stadium. And, and I would, like, if you want something that's really true to Philadelphia, John's Roast Pork, really close to the stadium, I think you'd enjoy that one. Okay, I love it. I'm going to save my save it in my phone. And uh, just to give you guys a quick shout-out, shout-out to all the uh, Eagles guys that I took in my fantasy drafts this year. They have been helping me, the Philly defense, Jalen Hurts, Miles. Sanders, AJ Brown. Shout out to all those guys helping me win in all my fantasy leagues this year. So, I'm sure. Kudos to them. Yeah, I'm sure you're doing well, Chris. Appreciate it, man. And uh, and we'll catch up soon and enjoy uh, game one and two. All right, thanks, guys. There he goes, Chris Gordy, seven ninety uh, sports talk down in Houston. I think we gave him some good recommendations. So uh, El El Tiempo Cantina. That's where I'm going to end up on Friday. Uh, I had someone calling earlier said you should go to the Howard Johnson Space Center. Oh, you like astronauts. Yeah, I mean, just like astronauts. You like astronauts? Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah, the Howard Johnson Space Center. All right, I, I've got there. You go. I've got a whole day planned out. I'm going to the cantina. I'm going to the space center. I think it's funny. You have to like lug your your bags around all of Houston because you can't put them in the hotel yet. Yeah, I I mean, I wonder how early the hotel will let me in. Like, what's an early check in? I don't know how this I works. Don't know. I haven't tra- I haven't traveled much in in a while. Like, I haven't. I don't that? think you're alone in that. I, I think the well, pandemic and everything kind of made it so people haven't traveled in in a long time. That's a good point. I mean, we've I, I've driven places to travel, like up and down the East Coast, like those kind of trips. But like, I was like, when was the last time you flew somewhere? Uh, my honeymoon to Hawaii in 2011. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so my my first kid was born in 2015. Like, once you have little kids, it's hard to fly places, right? Unless as someone who has flown. Around little kids, I appreciate you not taking them on planes. Yeah, so like once my son was born, then my daughter a couple of years later, like real travel on a plane has kind of been out for a while. Now they're getting to the age where like we're that's we're almost ready to do that. And then you're right, then the pandemic thing hit. So yeah, 2011 was the last time I, I flown. I mean, it's I don't know. I mean, imagine it's the same as it was in 2011. 
It hasn't changed much, no. Right. Like if I had if I stopped flying in like nineteen ninety five and then tried to do it in 05, that would have been a big difference, right? Yes. That a lot changed in between. Now the there. seats are a little smaller and people are a little more rude. Okay. Well, I mean I'm used to that. So that that's that's not a big deal. Let's go to Brian, who's up on WIP. Hey Brian. Hey Joe, what's happening? How are you, Brian? What's on your mind tonight? <laughs> not too much. Boy, a lot to talk about. How about those Sixers, huh? <laughs> You know what? I they I, I have just put them to the side. They can lose all the games they want. You all could be out of shape. I'll, I'll worry about them in a few weeks. Yeah, I I, I totally hear you. I totally hear you. <clears throat> um, so there was an interesting interview with that guy. It just cracks me up how the the the, the, the Astros fans just like to blow off that cheating scandal. Like I know. It's like give me a break. Like honestly, and I, oh Altuve, yeah, he didn't. Uh, he was fine. Oh, like come on, man. You think they were saying the same stuff about the Patriots back in the day? No, no chance. It, I think, Brian, I think it's similar. You know, like, did the Patriots win all those games because they cheated? No, they had a great coach, great quarterback, great team. But, like, it was, it's part of their history. And, like, the Astros, we, they can't just pretend that that's not part of their history. It is. It's, it's part of who they are. A hundred, I totally agree, hundred percent. I mean, and I was always one too. I guess it was was it 2011 where Bill Meyer got caught with the binoculars and, you know, yeah. So, you know, it's not. It wasn't. I don't think it was total coincidence that the the Phil's batting averages went way right. down once. So, but um, anyway, in regards to the series, can't wait. It's it just thinks it's still two nights away. But uh, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, a little throat. Um, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm more of the hope. I have like high hopes to to you know go on the Harry train. Yeah, but uh, I have high hopes. But uh, yeah, I mean this, this is a good this is a good team they're running into. There's no no question about it. Yeah, and I, I kind of you know as much as it's a challenge, Brian, I I kind of like that the last step of this mountain they're trying to climb is the steepest one, right? This is the by far the best team they're going to play. A team that you know all time great pitching staff. I'm sure all the stats will be out there when the game starts. Like if they can do this, it's going to make this this like an all time Philadelphia sports story. Because not that they just get in and, and make a run, but if they beat the Astros, it, it's kind of like the Eagles beating the Patriots. It, ma- it makes it that much better. I I could not agree more because I mean to be fair and look they they've taken and run with it but they've gotten a bunch of breaks going their way so far from you know the non you know just getting in the Brewers stunk uh, the non receding because you would have had to play the, you didn't have to play the Mets you didn't have to play the Dodgers look the, and you know they destroyed the Braves which you had said earlier which was true I did did not see coming. But it's it is the road has kind of been paved for them so far. Again, to their credit, they've been amazing. But yes, if, if they beat this team, wow, holy mackerel! Very yeah. similar to the Patriots. Yep, it would make it all so sweet. Brian, you want to play some explicit history with us? A- absolutely. All right, Tucker, let's give him a call from the playoffs here. See if Brian can nail which name is bleeped out. Three balls, two strikes to pay off. Swung on, hit in the air, right center field, pretty deep, going back and looking up. Is Soto? It's gone. Lead off, home run for. Great start on this Friday night as Schwarber with his second homer of this postseason and of this series. I think we missed the second bleep there. Who hit that home run, Brian? I I, I did have it, though. That was a fairly easy one. Obviously, that was Kyle. Yes, it was. Starting off game three against the pods. Brian, we appreciate the phone call. He's going to be on us for that. Because we didn't bleep it out? We didn't bleep it out. That awful word, Schwarber. One of those words you can't say on radio, Schwarber. A word that we've probably said. How many times think Schwarber's been said on these airwaves since, like, March? A million. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Like, every night, four times, us talking about it. Yeah, I mean, his name, obviously the, a, a tremendous season with 46 home runs. Yeah, if Schwarber was an FCC violation, we'd be out of business by now. Would have, Yeah, it would have been a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Who's would have had a new new radio partner for the postseason yeah, run? There, there would have been an angry email or two. Stop saying that. You can't do it. We're getting in trouble. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop in. Howie Rose been traded for Robert Quinn. What could be next? If he's got one more move up his sleeve, what could they go after? We'll hit that next. And why I think Nola over Wheeler for game one is the right move for the long term of this series. I'll explain that next on Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is behind the class. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop aboard on this Wednesday night. So, um... Look, we're close. So tomorrow we'll have Howard on from 6 to 7. And then um, I'll be doing another one of those Odyssey shows tomorrow night with, I believe, it might be Sean Pendergrass who joined us on the show last night. But we're going to do one of those Odyssey live shows tomorrow night on the Odyssey app. So make sure you download the Odyssey app. And we'll do a World Series special preview tomorrow night from 8 to 9 p.m. Uh, on the Odyssey app. And then wheels up. I'm flying out to Houston on Friday morning. Uh, I got a great recommendation for a, a food place. I'm going to go check out the Space Center. I'm going to be trekking around Texas on Friday morning. But then Friday, I'll be on uh, from our sister station down there in in Houston doing the Phillies leading off. We'll get ready for the World Series Game 1. And then I'm on the chance to be at Game 1 and Game 2. Saturday, I'm not quite sure what time yet, but I'm going to do an extra special show on Saturday. Extra special? X, well, it's an extra show. Like more than like, I'm going to work on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to do a show on Saturday before the game, sometime in the afternoon Saturday. So we'll uh, we'll see exactly what time that that it all works out. But I'm excited for this weekend. The Phillies are in the World Series. Like this, this is an awesome time right now, and I I can't wait to see how they come out and respond. I'm I'm past the point of thinking nerves will get them. I mean, sometimes you think that then like when you get to the next stage, we hear that in the Super Bowl a lot. You know, you could have a team that gets to the Super Bowl and then the bright lights get to them. I don't think that's going to happen to the Phillies. Like, could the Astros pitching shut them down over the first two games? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly possible. They're facing Justin Verlander and Framber Valdez. They, they could get shut down. But I don't have a worry about the, the lights getting to the Phillies. I, I think they're going to be okay. I think once they played well against the Braves and the Padres, I think we're past it. Tucker, I'd be surprised if they were overwhelmed by the moment. They could be overwhelmed by the team they're facing, but I think they'll be fine nerves-wise. Yeah, I just I, I think about what they've experienced so far in the postseason, and I don't know. It's not like they've played three teams that don't have legitimate fan bases, right? right? Like like they went to St. Louis, which has been described by baseball heaven by by some former Phillies. And they made that crowd leave early. They went to Atlanta, which is the reigning world champions. They took one out of two there. And then they went to San Diego, which a lot of people thought was the most hostile environment in baseball the last couple of years. They took one out of two there. I think them going to Houston and then playing in the World Series, I don't think faces them at all. And I think that starts with one Kyle Schwarber, who won a World Series at Wrigley Field, yep. which I don't think you can get a bigger moment in baseball than that. And two, Bryce Harper, who's been under the microscope since he was about 14 years old. I mean... These guys aren't necessarily shying away from the spotlight. And you've seen other people kind of step up. I mean, Reese Hoskins has struggled in big moments, and he's had errors, but he really came out of his shell in the NLCS. Gene Segura has come up with clutch hit after clutch hit. I mean, this team right now, who I thought collectively was a bunch of losers about three or four weeks ago, 
they look like guys who are, are who are tested and who are capable of winning at any moment. Yeah, they do. Um, and the other thing, and this is a small thing, but I do think it could matter. They just played in that stadium. You know, I always think in the World Series, if you play in a stadium you never played in before or there's very little experience on the roster in that stadium, you know, there's like the quirks of the outfield, how the ball bounces off the wall. They just were there. Brandon Marsh has played there a lot. Um, they don't have the hill there anymore, though. Uh, what was the, what's the name of that hill? Tal's Hill. Tal's Hill. Michael Bourne used to play there when they had the hill. The, 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 but, um, you know, Marsh has played there a lot as, as a visiting player with the Angels. They were just there playing in the outfield. So, like, Schwarber— When was the last time Houston was here? You think the other side could, could maybe be an advantage? The last time the Astros played here? I don't remember. Um if I had to guess, maybe they were scheduled to come here in 2020 and they had ripped the schedule up because they didn't have a full schedule that season because I don't recall it for a while. I, I can't remember any of the great Astros teams playing here. Can you? Like, I'm going back through. I'm down to 2018. Yeah, I, don't, I can't remember. Unless I'm just missing a short series. But like, I feel like I remember Bregman and Correa and Altuve. Uh, it was 2017, 17. the year they won the, the World okay. Series the first so, time. But, all right. So it was... That Phillies, was, uh, Astros took two or three. That was the year before I started doing final out. I feel like I would have remembered it uh, if I was sitting here you know, doing the games and, and being on afterwards. So it's been a long time. I, I mean, I imagine only a few players from that team are still around, right? Altuve, you know, maybe a couple more. That, that's, that's a while ago now. We're talking about five seasons, six seasons. Yeah, the, the first pitching matchup was Vince Velasquez versus Brad Peacock. So it's been a while. And you know who came out of the bullpen that night and got the win? For the Phils? For the Astros. Um, you tell me, Joe Musgrove, Joe Musgrove, who obviously we just saw with the uh, the Padres. So it's been a while. I Game mean, two it, pitching matchup: Nick Pavetta against Charlie Morton, who just pitched against the Phillies in in, uh, in Game three of the or Game four of the NLDS. And Game three, Aaron Nola versus Michael Fires. Fires is the one that ratted on the on the Astros yep. when he left because they didn't resign him. <laughs> I'll show you guys. I'll tell everyone what you've been doing. So it's been a while. I mean, that, that sums it up. It's been a while. It's actually, that could be more of an advantage for the Phillies in this series. You know, the way the ball plays off the carom in center field, left center field. You know, I, I guess, uh, do we think Chaz McCormick has a, a feel for it because he's a Westchester kid? I imagine he went to a lot of Phillies games growing up, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, do they still do high school games, like state championships? Does that still happen at Citizens Bank Park? I know they used to play the, the Carpenter Cup right. there. So I'm sure if he advanced, he, he would have played there. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine he's seen a lot of games at Citizens Bank Park, even if it isn't in person. Yeah, that, it's actually kind of an interesting story. They're playing a, a, a local kid who I'm sure grew up as a Phillies fan. But I wanted to hit, before we get to the, the Eagles stuff and who, where the next trade, if Howie has another one up his sleeve, could come from. So today, Rob Thompson announced, and he kind of alluded to it yesterday, that Aaron Nola was going to start game one, Zach Wheeler game two. couple things, and I do think it's the right decision by the Phillies. Zach Wheeler's been better on extra rest. Most pitchers are better on extra rest. So he's going to get that extra day. Aaron Nola's on extra rest anyway. I mean, one more day is not going to change it for him. He has the pitchers last Wednesday night a week ago uh, in San Diego. It's the Padres. So it's extra rest for both pitchers in game one and two. And the other thing about... The process they're doing, one and five for Nola, two and six for Zach Wheeler. Here's why I like it. If we do get to a game seven, and that may, might or might not happen, we'll see. The, again, the hope would be that maybe the pitcher that pitched in game five, and in this case could be Aaron Nola, could come out of the bullpen and help in game seven. That's not a guarantee, but it could. We just watched Rangers Forest pitch game three, and then he came out of the bullpen in game five and helped. I don't think the Phillies would ask Zach Wheeler to do it. I mean, I, I really don't. He just came off of a, you know, a, a forearm injury a month ago. I, I doubt they would ask him to come back, for, let alone on short rest to pitch a start, start a game. But I don't think if he started game five, he'd be asked to come back and pitch game seven. I do think Aranola would be. And how about this? So Matt Gelb had this in a piece this morning. Did you know that JT Real Muto after game five? said that the emergency closer role they used Ranger Suarez for in Game 5, that that there was under consideration was Nola to do that. I saw a report by John Stolness, who Angelo has on all the, all the time, yep. before the game saying that he wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Nola pitched an inning that day, which I thought was a little silly because his reasoning was, that it, it would technically be a side day, but even so, if you're warming up, like you're throwing 30 warm-up pitches, 
and then coming in. But when I saw the reporter, I thought, I wonder if he knows something else. So, I wonder if someone told him that. So, well, I, so I, I had heard, I didn't hear it live, but I did see someone say that Kevin Franzen, who we obviously we know well, um, I think he was doing MLB Network Radio that morning. He had thrown that idea out. And, and he's covering the series. I think he was doing the, the, the show from the park or something like yeah, he does stuff for MLB Network Radio during the playoffs. He may have heard something, right? That obviously, if multiple people are saying or hearing this, some, something, someone said something to somebody. Do you think he's sad that he's missing this playoff run compared to watching, what he had to go through with the Washington Nationals this watching year? that wretched baseball team? For yeah, he probably is. So, but under this premise, we just, I, I, I think Nola. Could it? That could happen. Like the old Nola could come out of the bullpen in Game Seven. I think he's more likely to be asked to do it and do it than than Zach Wheeler. So th- there's that. And then Rob Thompson also said something today about Zach Wheeler having a sore knee. He took a comebacker off the mound, off the off the off his knee on Sunday. And I, I, the quote I read said he's he thinks he'll be ready for Game Two. It was a weird quote. I mean, there's nobody out there saying he's not going to pitch, but is he hurt? Yeah, I thought it was interesting because I was at the game, and I saw it go off his leg, but he pitched two more innings after that, and he didn't really seem to have any issues. And then after the game, I, I went home, and I, I watched the post game and I watched his interviews and stuff, and he kept saying how much it hurt. He said he missed Bryce Harper's home run because he was in the training room at the time getting his knee looked at, and, and he said that, that he was having issues with it, and he said it's really painful, and hopefully he'll be fine. I don't know. At the time, I thought it was just a, a minor whatever, he'll get a bruise and move on, it might come into play in the World Series. And considering he hasn't really been fully stretched out since coming back from the IL, that worries me. Well, he doesn't his, throw more than like 80 pitches. No. I, I mean, his velocity is also dipped too. When you get late into his starts, it's just like he, it's almost like he's never had a chance to build back up. Remember that national start that last Sunday of the regular season? And it rained, right? There was bad weather. That yeah, was through five innings. That was supposed to be the start he got to like 90 or 100, and it never got there. And it's just they never had a chance to build him up. You know, this knee thing, now that we're talking through it, doesn't it make game one feel even bigger? Like there feels like there's now a little uncertainty that that maybe Wheeler's hurting. And I'm not saying he can't pitch, but, boy, it makes game one feel even bigger now. Like if they could get game one, like, all right, they get two, great, they're up 2-0. But I'm a little nervous now if Wheeler's knee's bothering him, him out there down 0-1. Justin Verlander sucks in the World Series. Game one. Gotta I know get he no-hit them in the second game of that Houston series when they were all asleep and yeah, hung over. But game one feels like the game they need to take, and it's something that they've been able to do in every series so far. Yeah, it's been the key. Uh, they get up and, and they get the series. But that just keep an eye on that with the Wheeler-Knee thing. And I do think Nola over Wheeler for all these reasons. The, the, the knee thing, extra rest, uh, who's more likely or able to come back in a game seven. I, I think that is it plays into Aaron Nola more than it does Zach Wilson. So I think they're doing the right thing there. All right, so the Eagles make this trade today for Robert Quinn. They get a pass rush here for a fourth-round pick. Do we think Howie Roseman is done? Because I saw Jimmy Kemsky had a tweet a couple days ago that all of these Howie Roseman moves pre-trade deadline over the years, they've all come the day before the trade deadline or right at the trade deadline. This is kind of a rare one where it comes – you know, when's the trade deadline? Tuesday? I think it's next Tuesday, November 1st is the trade deadline. So this is a, almost a full week ahead. Two things I thought on this. One, I wonder if they did it today because they want to get him playing at least by the Texans game. Because with a game next Thursday, if the Eagles make a trade on Tuesday or Monday, doesn't it feel like that player, there's no chance they play uh, in the in the Texans game? So, like, if you make a trade next week, you're only getting him for – you know, you're basically losing two games. If you get him now, you could get him for the Texans game as well. So that that's part of why I think the Quinn thing happened today. But I don't think Howie's done. I think they could add something else. I mean, the rumors that have been out there have been running back. And, you know, there's so many running backs that could be available. I and mean, running backs, James Robinson, who's a good player, just got traded to the Jets for a fifth-round pick because they lost Brees Hall. I will not be surprised if Howie Roseman lands a running back by Tuesday. Now, which running back that is, I don't know. Kareem Hunt has been the guy we've talked about since the summer. The Browns are 2-5. and five. They play the Bengals, who are red hot right now. I mean, the Browns could be 2-6, and six, and I don't care that Watson's coming back by the uh, beginning of December. Their season's cooked if they're 2-6. and six. Kareem Hunt here by next Tuesday would not surprise me at all. 
No, and he, he does a lot of the things that the Eagles need to do. And you look at the way they're running the ball. I, I know they run the ball a lot, and they're 23rd, I think, in yards per carry this year. Like, they haven't run the ball effectively. Jalen Hurts is averaging 3.8 yards per carry, which I, I just think is astounding. But if you can add someone like Kareem Hunt or, you know, Cam Akers is a guy who's been thrown out there, even though he's struggled a little bit, they have a shot, I, I think, to really add somebody for, for next to nothing. Yeah, I mean, I saw today uh, one of the ESPN reports was that Kareem Hunt could be had for a fourth-round pick. I th- I think he's probably going to go for less. I, I, I think it's going to be a fifth-round pick for him, and I would take him. But, you know, the Eagles don't have many weaknesses right now. I mean, it, they added a, a fourth pass rusher, you know, in terms of like an outside rusher today. And we talked to Trey Wingo about an hour ago, a little, a little over an hour ago, and he mentioned they're eight deep on the defensive line. Now, they don't need to make a trade for a running back by Tuesday. I mean, they, they really don't. I mean, they could be fine the way they are. But this is where Howie Roseman does what he does and goes after and get, gets another piece to the puzzle and and look, they're six and zero. There is no team in the NFC right now that should scare them at all. I, I do think a fully healthy Niners team by the time we get to January is dangerous with all those pieces they have and that defense and defensive line they have. But other than that, I don't think they'll lose to the Cowboys. I I, I don't think they'll lose to the, the, the Vikings or the Giants or the Seahawks or I mean, you you pick the team, the Falcons, the Bucks stink. And this NFC right now is theirs. But it felt that way in 2017 and how he still went out and added Jay Ajayi to try to push them over the top. I mean, I, I I look at this team, and now they got Robert Quinn in here. I say the next piece of this puzzle feels like one more running back. And the other thing, you, you can never feel could secure at running back because of injury. Like, they're one injury to Miles Sanders, and he's been, we know he's been banged up over the years, away from having a thin backfield. So running back would be the next guy and next position I, I think about. And there's... I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that it would not shock me at all if they become sellers by Tuesday. I know the NFL right now feels like it's pretty wide open and, and there's not many great teams, but you go through some of the teams towards the bottom. I mean, here are some running backs on teams towards the bottom that you I could see being dealt by the time next Tuesday hits. All right, the Lions. Jamal Williams? I could see Jamal Williams traded. I, I'd be on that. Um, let's go to a team like, you know, go to the AFC. A team like Cleveland, we mentioned Kareem Hunt. Denver, Melvin Gordon. I could absolutely see Melvin Gordon traded by Tuesday. You know, the, the Las Vegas Raiders are 2-4. and four. I think they're probably going to stay in the mix. But, man, Josh Jacobs is having a great season. Would he be on the block if they if they start playing poorly? Or, or go to 2-5 and five with a loss this weekend? He could be. I mean, there, there's some big running backs that are available. And that, that certainly could be had for the right price. And... For a fifth-round pick in a year where the Eagles have a real chance to go make the Super Bowl, I'm in on that. Let me throw one more name out there. And I think this kind of is like a a Jay Ajayi situation where it seems like it's a coaching, personality, fit issue. Cam Akers is a name that I'd be interested in for a low price if I was the Eagles. A buy low. He's He's coming off the Achilles last year. I don't think the burst has come back. But what's the worst that could happen? Like a fifth-round pick for Cam Akers? And it's been weird, the, the messaging, when, um, when McVeigh's talked about him. It almost feels like a change of scenery, like a Jai or other. I mean, there's been a million running backs that have been traded a change of scenery over the years. Cam Akers being traded by next week would not be surprising. They're 3-3. Three and three. They play the 49ers this weekend. I don't think Cam Akers is going to change their season either way. I mean, the Rams are either going to figure it out or they're not, based on their offensive line and Matthew Stafford. Cam Akers for a fifth-round pick? I'd be in. I just think he stinks. I really do. He hasn't come back from the Achilles. No, but even go back to his his rookie year, I know he had that good playoff run, but, I mean, he's someone that for his career right now averages 3.9 yards per carry. I don't know. At the age of 23, I I hate to say his career is done, but I don't know what it ever really was to begin with. I I liked Cam Akers coming out of Florida State. He was great. His last season there had over 1,100 yards, but – I don't know. I, I just he doesn't do enough for me to where I, I think he could break into this rotation. Yeah, I wonder who he'd play, uh, where, where he would slide in. Obviously, Miles Sanders is the lead back. Is he above Boston Scott? I mean, the one thing the Eagles don't do is throw to their running backs, and no. he has twenty-two catches in three seasons. Like he's not a receiving back either. No, he'd be a short yardage back. I mean, that's what he would be for them. And and I think all of this is probably Miles Sanders' insurance. 
I mean, Miles Sanders, you, you could look at Miles Sanders' insurance for this year. Also, Miles Sanders is a free agent after the year. I mean, if the Eagles pay Jalen Hurts, do you think there's any chance they're going to pay Miles Sanders top of the market running back money? I, I think there's a zero chance. So it wouldn't surprise me if they went after someone that's under contract. I mean, that was part of that Jay Ajayi trade. You got him for the next year. Now, he got hurt in the next year. So they, didn't, I mean, they never felt the value of that. He, he basically was done early on in his second year as an Eagle. But th- that's also a distinct possibility. They go after somebody in a trade that has more than one year left on their contract. So you have kind of a buffer for if Miles Sanders leaves after this season. You have Kenny Gainwell next year. You'd have whoever they trade for. I mean, that, that could be part of all this. I'm trying to think of running backs that I could see being traded. Cam Akers is, is certainly one of them. That are, that are not free agents after this season. I mentioned Jamal Williams. I'm not sure his contract situation in Detroit. I kind of like Jamal Williams. He's a tough runner. He's really good inside the goal line. And I, I would think of him as someone that could help spell Jalen Hurts taking all those hits on short yardage runs. I mean, Hurts is really good at it. I'm not saying they should completely go away from it, but Jamal Williams is probably one of the best short yardage runners in the NFL. He's been like a goal line you know, and, and red zone machine the last couple of years. Is, is he under contract beyond this season? I think he might be. Do you know Miles Sanders is eighth in the NFL in rushing attempts this year? I did not realize and that. And that's with a bye week. Like, he's played one less game than four of the six guys in front of him. So you think they're a little worried he's going to hold up? I'd be. I mean, I am. So Jamal Williams signed a two-year deal uh, with the – I'm trying to look. He signed a two-year, $6 million contract with the Lions. I think he has one year remaining on this deal. So he'd be under contract for – no, never mind. He signed a two-year deal before last season. So he's on a he's on a two-year, $6 million deal for this se- last season and this season. He has a base salary of 3.75 this year, cap hit of 4.3. That's um. That's I would take Jamal Williams. I mean, the Lions are one and five, and they're underdogs this week against the Dolphins. I mean, I I, I mean, they got to sell off parts if they get something for him. Do you think the Saints would park with Mark Ingram? Yeah, why wouldn't they? I don't know. They don't want to do business with Howie Roseman again. I like Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram's like thirty three. You know, he's the NFL's lead active leading rusher right now. All like for career. Yeah, among all active running backs, he's number one. I don't think you could have given me five guesses. I wouldn't have said him. I mean, I probably said Derrick Henry just because he said so many. How many rushing yards do you have? Seven thousand, eight thousand. So technically, he's second, but that's because Adrian Peterson is still considered active. Active by who? Pro Football Reference. But right now, he leads Ezekiel Elliott by two hundred yards. He has eight thousand. Elliott has seventy-eight hundred. I would take him. He's had what? He's had a cut. He's had about four games this year where he's been a real part of the Saints' offense. Yeah, it's two games with ten carries and two games with nine carries. And what's the average this year? Like three point something to carry? Three point eight. I'm in. I think he would make a lot of sense for this team. I, I think he's a guy that is good in short yardage situations. He's had a lot of uh, playoff experience. He's got three Pro Bowls under his belt. I think he makes a lot of sense. I also think he was at his best next to a mobile quarterback that opened the field for him. Right? I'm sure his numbers with Lamar Jackson next to him were the best he ever played, or some of his best numbers. And he also played really well when he shared a backfield with Alvin Kamara. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that one. And, and I have to imagine he'd be had for the cost of, what, a sixth? A seventh? Yeah, it would be next to nothing. I mean— they're offloading a 33-year-old running back. Yeah, and they're 2-5. and five. You know, they're starting Andy Dalton this weekend. Again? Uh, no, on purpose. Jameis is healthy. Andy Dalton's their quarterback now. That pick that Howie Roseman got this past season, I remember we took calls that and people were upset about it. Like, the Saints are 2-5. and five. They're home dogs this week to the Raiders. They could be 2-6 and six and are starting Andy Dalton at quarterback. The Eagles also play them at the end of the season. Now, I'm not sure if the Eagles are going to play their guys, but... That feels like it's going to be a top 10 pick. It may be better. Isn't it crazy the Panthers fired their head coach and they aren't even the worst team in that division? That division is really bad. The Falcons are in first place right now. I think the Falcons can win the division. I mean, I, I, I'm serious. I mean, that, that team, their over-under before the season was four and a half wins. I think they're going to win the division. I think I read something today, depending on how the, the outcome works out this week. The Panthers could either be in the fourth seed of the NFC for the playoffs. 
or have the fourth overall pick in next year's draft. It's like the 2020 NFC East. We were having those discussions about the Eagles. Remember three weeks ago, we were like, we can win the well, division. What happened to Washington, who ended up winning that division? Yeah, it actually turned out to be a bad thing for them. Yeah, that, that division is, is awful. I mean, it, it's one of the worst divisions we've seen, and, and that's why the Bucs are still the favorites in that division, even though they're not a good football team right now. They play tomorrow night against the, uh, the Ravens. But, yeah, I, the next step or next piece of the puzzle, last piece of the puzzle, I would say, for Howie Roseman and the Eagles, it's running back. I, I think that's where they go next after the Robert Quinn trade. Ingram's a good idea. I think Cam Akers is interesting. I would um, – and Kareem Hunt's the best of the be- of all these guys. If they get Kareem Hunt, I mean, that's going to be the biggest price. I heard – I saw today a fourth ESPN put out there. I think that's a little rich for a running back, you know, one that, you know, is going to want money after this. He's already complaining about his contract. But if you give me Kareem Hunt in here, boy, that would complete this backfield. The Eagles would be a very – very, I mean, complete football team as we head down the stretch of the season. All right, fun show tonight. Back tomorrow for a shorter show before Thursday Night Football of Howard. Are you going on the Odyssey app tomorrow? Yes, I think with our guest from last night. Oh, that's fun. From Sean, uh, Sean Pendergrass. I, that's might may, maybe him. It's, it's someone from six ten in uh, in down in in Houston is going to join me for an hour long World Series special. I feel like we do this every week now for three weeks. Yeah, what happens after the World Series? I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm not going to volunteer every week to keep working. But if they need me to, I, I guess I will. No, I, I think they're going to do the Odyssey thing in other markets when other things are going on. We just happen to have the, the most things going on right now. And then we'll have the Super Bowl in a couple months. Oh, I'm gonna have to do them then, right? Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I mean, it's great. It's fun. Odyssey app, download it. Make sure you have it. We'll do a special World Series show tomorrow night. Uh, preview show with a host down in Houston from eight to nine, and we'll be on with Howard tomorrow night at six o'clock, riding with the King. You guys have a great night. Coming up next, we have Sean Bell. I haven't seen Sean in a while. Sean will give you all his takes on the Phillies in the World Series and the Robert Quinn trades. Coming up next on Sports Radio 94 WIP. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.